Hello, this is Jenny Sparks, your internet local teller of anti-capitalist fairy tales. Before we begin today, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please, take a moment to leave a review, and let your friends know it exists. It's very much appreciated. And now, the conclusion of The Girl Who Set Out to Seek a Living Wage. When Rachel arrived at corporate, the building was so tall that the elevators were divided up. She counted past the set for ten floors, then twenty. In the end, she went up almost thirty floors and stepped out into a wide, tiled lobby. A receptionist waited behind a desk and watched Rachel as she lingered in the doorway. The receptionist spoke first. Hello, are you here for a meeting? No, Rachel replied, and then was not sure what else to say. She decided on the truth. Well, I'm here to bring ruin to our bosses, these executives who have brought ruin to so many others. Then, I'm afraid I shouldn't let you pass, began the receptionist, but we often do what we shouldn't. Rachel asked, Would you like it if I brought ruin to them? The receptionist said, Oh yes, for as you say, they have brought ruin to many others. If I had another choice, I wouldn't be here either. Rachel replied, Right, but we've got to find our fortunes, or at least a living wage, somehow. And it seems like they hold the only means to do it. Who else could we rely on? They spoke for a time. It was only nice to meet someone else who understood and they ended up telling each other about why they were there and how they had been forced to seek employment. Now, as we've said before, Rachel's family just could not support her any longer, and even if they'd been able, it wouldn't have felt right to ask for the shame of it. As for the other woman, her name was Kayla, and she was a trans lesbian who had graduated college, only to find no work in her field. She had studied her passion, literature as it happened, The adults in her life had practically demanded this of her, and, well, it was her special interest. So she had followed her dreams, but now, oh, if only, if only she'd been more practical, they said. Then she might have found it easier to repay the kind of people who could have afforded the loss anyhow. But she had signed contracts, and ink was as good as blood to certain beasts. So Kayla had no choice. She took what she could get and spent her days smiling at greedy scumbags and running the postage machine. They both deserved better, but they couldn't have it while they spent all their time merely earning their keep. Perhaps that was the problem. They should not have had to earn their keep at all, they decided, but rather they had a right to it and they were tired of people withholding it from them. So Kayla said, I'm coming with you, and we'll bring Ruin to the executives together. Rachel asked, Do you know if they're truly beasts? Kayla answered, So I've heard, and I think if we can get enough people to see them for what they are, then we should be able to defeat them. So to start with, they went to find the executive assistant, 
so that they could arrange a meeting with the executives themselves. But in order to see her, they had to see her own assistants, of which there were three. Each of these were in a perfectly necessary and sensible position, or so those above them thought. For the work in the office was never-ending, whereas surely their retail locations only needed one person on the registers at a time. If they received complaints, it only meant that that person was not working fast enough. In any case, they discovered the assistant of the three assistants first. This person explained to Rachel and Kayla that if you spoke to their colleagues one truth each, then they would let you pass. But it must be the truths closest to your heart, or you could never get by. Then you would have to leave a voicemail, and only luck would say if you'd hear back, so you might never get a meeting. But in the first place, that would mean making a phone call, such a dreadful prospect that it hardly seemed worth it. As both Rachel and Kayla were masters of oversharing, they thought that it would be a simpler exercise to just face the assistants. So they went on, and at last they came to the first assistant. The assistant had a strange desk, with a wide cubicle around it that took up the entire hallway. There was no clear gate in or out or through, and the assistant did not even look up as Rachel and Kayla approached. So there was nothing to do but try to take the advice they'd received. Rachel tried first. Hello. I would very much like a better job. It was certainly true, but the assistant did not reply. They just kept typing. It appeared to be the same sequence of keys over and over again. Kayla peeked over the cubicle wall with a frown, but soon stepped back and shook her head. She could read nothing from the computer, and the pair would find no clues that way. Next, Rachel tried. I would like to afford a month's rent, and food as well. But the assistant remained silent, and Rachel had to admit, it sounded extravagant. So in the end, all she could think to say was, I would love it if I could afford therapy. But still, the assistant did not even twitch. It seemed that nothing Rachel said or did would work. Finally, she sighed and declared, I am too tired for this. As soon as she said this, a panel in the cubicle slid up, and there was a new gap in the surface of the desk, between the drawer and where the computer rested. The assistant moved their chair toward the edge of the arrangement, and said, Very well, go on. I've got work to do. The two women looked down the hallway, then at each other, and at last they went on together. Then when they came to the next assistant, Kayla thought for a moment and said, I am too autistic for this. This time, the cubicle parted at once for them. The second assistant only sighed and nodded them through, and Rachel and Kayla kept going. When they came to the last assistant, they spoke together the most powerful truth they could imagine. We are way too gay for this. So the last cubicle made way for them, and the last assistant waved them along. Beyond was a proper office, where they met the executive assistant at last. Rachel introduced herself as an employee with a complaint, and spoke to the executive assistant about setting up a meeting. When the executive assistant asked when Rachel would like this meeting to be, she answered politely, 
as soon as possible, if you please. Today, perhaps. Rachel received a cross look, but was told that she could wait if she liked to. The executive assistant would schedule her, but if she really had a complaint, then she ought to speak to someone in HR first. Rachel would not, in fact, have liked to do any of this very much, but she would take the chance anyhow. Then as she turned to go, Kayla caught her and said, This is where we really begin. So they went up a floor and spoke to someone in HR. Rachel asked who she was speaking with, and they said, Oh, I'm someone. You know, of course, that when you have a complaint, you must go to someone in HR. That's me. So Rachel addressed them. All right, I'm here to make a complaint. All right, someone said. What about? Rachel continued, Well, you see, I was written up for something when I did nothing wrong. I only defended myself against harassment. Someone asked, Can you prove that they were harassing you? Rachel threw up her hands and snapped, Check the tapes by the registers, then you'll see. Someone said, We'll need to put in a request to look at them. But if you'd like to go ahead and do that, then you can sign here. They offered Rachel some paperwork, and she read it over. Kayla asked casually, So, is it normal for employees to have to go through all this trouble, just to make a complaint? Someone replied, Of course. Kayla leaned over the table. And what if she just wanted to seek other legal help, to speed this process along? Someone said, She gave up her right to that when she became employed. I expect she ought to have been more careful. Rachel signed the paper and set down the pen. I ought to have been more careful? How? By being less friendly and getting a complaint against me that way? Or should I have turned down the job in the first place and been evicted? Someone said, It's your job. You should know how to do it. Rachel replied, It might help them if you really understood how to do it, too. But it was clear that someone from HR didn't know anything about that, and only knew what they'd been told about policy. So when Rachel saw that they would not get any further, she and Kayla left. But after they were gone, Kayla held up her phone and said, I recorded that. Now there's only one more thing we need, and then we can set about destroying these executives. Oh, how wonderful, Rachel exclaimed. Kayla emailed the recording to Rachel so that they would be ready. Then the two women clasped hands joyously, thinking of how close they were to success. Kayla explained that, for what they would need to do, they next needed something from accounting. We must have the numbers, said Kayla. The numbers show the truth of their hoard, how vast and purposeless it is in their hands. So they went on to the accounting department. To get access required clearance, but Rachel had an old sandwich bag and stuffed her sweater into it. She was delivering lunch, and Kayla was escorting her. Then they had to find what they wanted on the computer. When the people in accounting went off to lunch themselves, Rachel and Kayla snuck into the room and asked the computer to show them what they wanted, but it told them that it could not. Rachel asked, What? Do we need a password? The computer replied, Yes. 
and I know you tricked your way in here, so I won't tell. It's not as if the information would do you any good anyway. You'll have to find it yourselves. Rachel and Kayla looked at each other and decided at once not to argue. So Kayla began to type furiously, and soon enough, she was in. They had the information they needed. Finally, they went back to the executive assistant's office. She told them, There you are. I was just about to call you. The CEO and his companions are ready for you. Go at once. Do not make them wait. And she glared at Rachel and Kayla as they hurried inside. When they got there, all the men were assembled wearing suits and lemon-like dispositions. Rachel prepared to speak. But before she could, the leader of the awful band himself, the CEO, demanded, Now what is the matter with kids today? Do you think you're entitled to these jobs? Rachel told him, No, but everyone is entitled to food and shelter. I won't be ashamed of that. And we shouldn't have to let anyone bully us or belittle us for anything, but especially not in order to eat. Kayla told him, And you call us kids, but we aren't allowed to be children or adults. You refuse to acknowledge us either way. If we were kids, someone should take care of us. But if we were adults, we'd need the means to take care of ourselves. Another executive replied, And we're giving that to you, paying you for work that's hardly work at all. All you need is to respect the customer, but apparently that's too much. Your generation got trophies for everything. That's the problem. Now you just expect something for nothing. But Rachel and Kayla were not about to be talked over. Rachel snapped, I'd rather have a living wage now than any number of trophies. If they want respect, then they shouldn't yell at us over a dollar coupon. And you shouldn't let them do it. We're meant to work for you. Kayla shook her head and said, if you're truly so ignorant of your cruelty, then it's worse than I thought. The women found it amazing how entitled these men were, thinking they had a right to other people's labor, to the well-being and purpose of countless strangers. So Rachel and Kayla told the executives together that they weren't having it anymore, and that they were going to put an end to the company's wicked ways. When the CEO laughed and asked how, Kayla held up her phone. The bright screen showed the files from accounting. Kayla said, These numbers show the money you make and how, and we have a recording that shows how you treat your employees. We'll share them with the world, so that everyone can know the extent of your wrongdoings. And here was a problem that Kayla had faced before. Up in the office, it was difficult to get reception. This made little things, like checking one's social notifications or personal email, quite difficult. But it had also meant that she couldn't finish this quest alone. However, she held out a hand to Rachel, who offered her phone instead. Because of the elderly person's kindness, Rachel had perfect reception, and at last Kayla was able to get the information out quickly. Soon one article appeared, then another. The company's deeds were exposed. They didn't pay their employees enough and they treated them worse yet. They acquired goods unfairly, and left families unable to care for themselves, then acted like forcing cashiers to ask for donations was enough to pay their due. 
The people shared this information far and wide, causing a great outcry. Now, this wouldn't have been enough to destroy the executives alone, as we know all too well. But in that one moment where the world looked on and despised these men, they were forced to reveal their true, evil nature. Rachel and Kayla had to act quickly, because soon enough the Internet's attention would falter, and the glamour would return. But when they looked, they still saw only old, white men in suits. Rachel thought about what she saw. The CEO and his companions frequently devoured people, took all that they were and didn't even spit out the bones. In this way, the executives were far more like beasts than wolves, giants, or old women in pointed hats. She thought about destroying them just the same. So she said, Enough! May you work one retail shift under your own rules for each life you've ruined for lack of a living wage. And so the executives disappeared instantly, banished to convenient locations across the land. Thus at last were all the employees freed, and Rachel and Kayla were so elated that they embraced and kissed each other. Kayla asked, Well then, what should we do now? Rachel replied, I think we should go and fix what they've broken. So they went back to the accounting department, and they asked the computer for help. This time, it agreed at once, for they had done far better than it had thought anyone could. They were able to redistribute the money to the various employees of the company who had helped earn it, so that these people could live in more comfort than they had ever been able to do through their work. Then Rachel and Kayla returned to HR and rewrote the policies so that everyone would have to remember that retail employees were people. The young women did, of course, take some of the money for themselves, for their own food and shelter and, as part of the celebration of their victory, an extremely joyous wedding. One might even say it was very gay. Furthermore, Kayla went on to find work in her field, where she did not have to dread getting up in the morning. And when Rachel went back to her job, it now paid enough that she could finish school too, rather than trapping her. And she saw that their efforts had at last meant something, for once again that customer tried to stay after clothes. But this time, all it took was a word to banish them from the shop, and when they saw fit to complain about the service, Rachel was able to tell them, I'm sorry, but we close at midnight. All of us here need to go home and rest. And if you don't like it, you are free to shop somewhere else. We won't miss you. Then she went home to her wife, and they kissed and had a late supper that they made together. And this wasn't so long ago, so I'm sure they're still alive today. The End This concludes The Girl Who Set Out to Seek a Living Wage. It was written, produced, and performed by Jenny Sparks. Music from museopen.org All music recordings used are within the public domain. To find more writing and to support the artist, please go to patreon.com slash jennysparkling. Check the description for more info. Special thanks go to Eliza, Kel, Christine, Alex, Ara, Rachel, and Emma, along with my patrons. Without you, this would not have been possible. 
Finally, I'd like to dedicate this production to my wife-to-be, Remy. It's because of their unwavering support and unflinching critique that I'm still here. Thank you for listening! <laughs>